Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Not too long ago on the podcast, I welcomed Lavelle Law Attorney Vishal Chabria to the series, and we we really had an excellent discussion about matters related to immigration law. And at that time, we acknowledged that there were just so many issues related to that area of the law uh, that we needed to cover. And so as promised, uh, Vishal returns today for further discussion. Uh, I'm back with you as well. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and and so glad to have uh, you back as listeners and Vishal back as a contributor to Chicago's Legal Latte. Today we're going to discuss a a particular form uh, related to the immigration process as we focus on uh, Form I-130, which is used in conjunction with requests to obtain green cards for family members from other countries, and we'll find out some of the ins and outs and things to be aware of in that regard. So uh, as we begin, Vishal, thanks so much for making the time to come back and visit again. It's good to have you here. Thank you. It's uh, good to be here. So let's go back to our first discussion before we get too far into the topic for today. And if, if you wouldn't mind, just start by refreshing listeners as to uh, what a green card is and who, who generally is eligible to receive one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a, a green card is basically a card that demonstrates that you uh, wish to have permanent residence in the United States. It's the step before getting citizenship, and it basically allows you to work here, uh, live here, you know, you can start businesses and do all sorts of other things, but it basically gives you, um, it's, it's, it's like an extended visa, but it gives you a couple more protections and some more rights. And in virtually any discussion, article or post, anything I've seen or read about immigration, uh, I constantly see and hear uh, the acronym USCIS, and that's, that's actually the precursor to the form I referred to today, uh, USCIS I-130. What, what does USCIS stand for? Yeah, so USCIS stands for United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. Um, uh, prior to 2003, it was called INS, the Immigration and Naturalization Service. Uh, USCIS is one of the organizations that are under the Department of Homeland Security. And, and you mentioned in the past that there are literally dozens of, of these forms. Today we're going to target one, that, that form I-130. So take us through what, what this form is designed to do. Uh, okay, so the I-130 is a petition for alien relative. That's the title for the form. And essentially, this is what gets you started. If you wish to, if a, if an individual who has a green card or who's a U.S. citizen wishes to have a family member or their spouse immigrate to the United States uh, and an immigrant visa uh, so they can then get a, a green card in turn, you always have to start with the form I-130. Um and we'll talk a little bit later about what the second step is, but there's always a second step or, in some cases, a concurrent step. Um, but the I-130 is what gets you started to basically prove that you have a qualifying relationship with another individual. Okay, and, and so just to be clear, then, the, the form, is it is it filed by the person requesting entrance to the U.S. or someone on their behalf who's looking to bring someone to the U.S.? 
Yeah, so there's two people involved in a, in a form like this. There's a petitioner and a beneficiary. The petitioner is the green card holder or U.S. citizen relative who is very often you know, in the United States. And then there's the beneficiary who is the person who benefits from that form being filed, and they are usually the family member who's abroad. And it, it, this is uh, the, the petitioner's form. They are the ones who sign it and send it out to USCIS with all the accompanying evidence. Okay. And, and that leads and to in, my next question. You, you, go ahead. I'll let you finish first. In one particular instance, you have the beneficiary sign as well, and that's when you are filing an I-130 for your, for your alien spouse, and if that spouse is in the United States, then they sign an I-130A, which is a supplement to the I-130. Okay, okay. So a little different uh, in, in terms of a little additional work there if the spouse is here, just a signature. Now, I, I want to go back because you mentioned the evidence, and I was going to ask about documentation. What, what needs to accompany the I-130 when it's submitted? There are two broad categories of evidence required. The first is the petitioner. Uh, who's filing the form for their alien relative, they need to demonstrate that they are a U.S. citizen or a green card holder. So uh, it's easy enough. You either have to show, um, you have to demonstrate that with your naturalization certificate or certificate of citizenship or your unexpired U.S. passport. Those are the most common. If you are born in the United States and you don't have one of those, uh, a birth certificate works just fine as well. And the second category is to prove the family relationship. And uh, the best example of this is if you're petitioning for your spouse, then, you know, the first thing you need is a marriage license of some kind. Um, and then you need a bunch of other documentation that proves the bona fides of that marriage. So if you have children, then the birth certificates for your children. Um, also, uh, what kind of financial resources you share if you have insurance together, a lease, or other property that you own. So you just basically have to submit all the documents that show your lives together. Uh, in, in the case of a child petitioning for his mother or father, um, <clears throat> in that case you would have a birth, birth certificate, and, you, and the birth certificate needs to show the mother's name and the father's name. Um, in the case where it's peti you're petitioning for your father, you also have to uh, show the marriage certificate of your parents. So that's the kind of documentation that's required. And, and you had warned us in a previous conversation that when you submit any of these forms, um, it's very important to make sure you do it properly and, and have the documentation because um, submitting things incorrectly or, or, or uh, incomplete uh, forms can make things worse off for you. So is this another example of making sure you get it right when you submit Absolutely. I mean, the, probably the number one reason that people come to an immigration attorney like myself to help them out is they want to make sure that they get it right off the bat. Now, of course, I cannot guarantee that it's going to be 100% perfect, but I can definitely guarantee that it's going to be uh, as near as possible. I mean, there are a couple of things that can happen when you submit forms to USCIS. They can outright reject the form. Um, they can return it to you. Um, they can um, issue what's called a request for more evidence. And so, you know, an immigration attorney is trying to avoid any of those kinds of outcomes. Rather, we just want to submit the forms, make sure they have everything they need 
USCIS has everything they need to review that form, to qualify that relationship, and issue you an approval notice. Because if you get something, the RFE, if you get the request for evidence, that can delay uh, your processing by sometimes, you know, many, many months, three, four, or five months at a time. Um, I'm, I'm chatting with Lavelle Law Attorney Vishal Chabria today, um, and Vishal heads up the new immigration law practice group at Lavelle Law, uh, and I know he's been exceptionally busy since bringing this, his practice to the firm, so we appreciate the time today. Uh, if you want to find out more, his profile is at lavellelaw.com, and of course, a uh, consultation can be arranged at 847-705-7555. Um, you mentioned the need or, or the advantage of having an attorney like you to, uh, to help with the process, the form, the documentation, everything that goes with us. Can you kind of walk us through the process overall associated with an I-30 or I-130? I'm yeah, sorry. absolutely. There's, so there's two different routes. So you always start with the I-130. And the first route is if, you're, if your alien relative is in the country and they are what's called an immediate relative, then you can – you can actually file for them to adjust their status. So a lot of times an individual will come, come, um, come to the United States on a visitor's visa or some other visa, and then their relative files the I-130 here for them, and they'll file what's called an I-485 with that. And that's, the I-485 is the, the, uh, the alien relatives form where they sign that form and submit it, and that tells the government that they'd like to change their status from the previous status they were in, either as a visitor or a student, let's say, to getting a green card. So that's what's called concurrent filing. And, you know, when you, when you submit something under concurrent filing, uh, you have a whole slew of forms. You have the I-130, the I-485, and you have what's called the I-131 for advanced parole and the I-765 for work authorization. And all of that needs to be accompanied with an I-864, which is an affidavit of support. And that's basically the petitioner or some other qualifying individual who says that they will support the person who wishes to become a green card holder. So that's one route. That's when the person's in the country and they are allowed to adjust status under certain conditions. Um, the second route, and you know, more common route, is you file the I-130 first. That's the petitioner. That's the U.S. citizen or green card holder relative. And in a few months, hopefully that gets uh, approved. And then you do what's called counselor processing. And so in this case, you then have to submit some documents to what's called the National Visa Center on the East Coast, and hopefully they come back to you in short order and they approve the documents you sent them. So that's the second step. And then the third step is you actually have to, like, uh, you have to file an online application for an immigrant visa called a DS-260. And what's interesting about that is now you're actually dealing with the Department of State, not USCIS. So once you are dealing with NVC and the DS-260 step, the steps two and three, you're, you're interacting with the Department of State. And that's where, for example, if the person is uh, in Germany, in France, in, in, in South Asia, or Asia, anywhere, they go to a U.S. embassy or consulate uh, nearest to where they live, and they actually go for an interview there, and they you know, hopefully get the uh, immigrant visa stamped into their passport. So as you can see, that's very different than 
filing over here where you don't leave the country and actually you go for an interview nearest to where you live in the U.S. So as we follow the two different processes that you described there, um, if I was counting right, I heard mention of at least five different forms and then referring to the uh, resident who is, is still out of the country um, a, having to deal then with the Department of State. Um, as all this adds up, is there a projected timeline that one would expect from start to finish in, in terms of getting a successful conclusion? Yeah, absolutely. There are, you know, general aggregated processing times for most forms. Um, from start to finish, uh, when you file concurrently the I-130 and the 485 for adjustment of status, uh, which is in, that's the case when your relative is in the country here, it could sometimes be between seven to nine to ten months, depending on a bunch of factors. Uh, I've seen it take longer than that, but it's usually somewhere in the range of seven months. The 485 is the form that takes a little bit longer to process. The I-130, when filed alone, so if you are not doing adjustment of status, rather you're doing consular processing, then the I-130 can get approved in sometimes in as quick as two months. But then you have another one or two months that it takes to get documents to the NVC, and then another one or two months to get an interview notice for the embassy or consulate abroad. So all in all, it ends up being around the same amount of time. Um, in some cases, it can be quicker to do one or the other, but that's usually on a case-by-case -case basis. That would, you know, That's where a lawyer comes in and kind of does an audit of the situation to, to figure out what is the best option. So a perfect example is, you wouldn't want to file concurrently the I-130 and 485 under adjustment of status if you know your relative wants to leave in four weeks or five weeks and go back home because they could be considered abandoned, the um, I-485. So it's really good to get advice before you do anything because all of these forms actually cost money. Uh, with, the U with USCIS and the Department of State, you have to constantly pay filing fees for all these forms. Yeah, and that's, uh, I assume, uh, an important part of this, and uh, I've got a whole list of questions here. So as happened last time, I'm going to have to ask uh, Vishal to come back and join us. That, that quarter hour flew by very quickly. So I want to thank him for uh, being here, for joining us today. And, uh, again, you can reach Vishal at Lavelle Law. Uh, check out lavellelaw.com, and uh, we'll look forward to continuing to share his experience in the future. Um, and um, also encourage you to, to visit the website to pull down archives of other past podcasts we've had. So I'll look forward to upcoming conversations, and we look forward to having all of you back with us in the future. If you want to download programs, lavellelaw.com, iTunes, or right here on Blog Talk Radio, you'll find our entire catalog of podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.